Good morning. Trust you're having a great morning so far. Now, I had this lecturer when I was at college. Her name was Margie. We always thought she was a little bit fruity, a little one of those nuts Christians uh, that you may know. Uh, You may know a couple. Don't look at the person next to you uh, if they are one. But we had this lecturer, Margie, and she had this expression, the saying that she would say, man, Almost every single lecture, she would say, we're pilgrims on a journey. You know, if you went to her and you said, um, you know, Margie, I'm struggling with, well, we're pilgrims on a journey. Uh, we used to almost take bets in class as to when she was going to say it in the lecture because she just used to say it so often. And uh, it's funny, only after college did I realize what a good expression that actually is. We're pilgrims on a journey. And the thing about a journey is that it implies a couple of things. Number one, it implies a beginning point, a starting point. You've got to start off on a pilgrimage or a journey. Number two is that it has a destination, somewhere where you intend to end up. And then number three is that there's a whole lot of distance or space between those two. And the life of a Christian is often referred to by the, by the Bible writers as a race. So they don't necessarily use the word journey, but they're saying the same thing. It's a race. It's got a start point, it's got an end point, and it's got a whole lot in between. Now, I don't have any experience, really, in terms of running competitively or jogging competitively or actually even walking competitively. I do, however have some experience in swimming. So today's message, and it's uh, in line with current events, because obviously we know that the sequel to Finding Nemo is out, and it's called Finding Dory, and she coined a phrase in the first movie, which was, just keep swimming. So the title of my message this morning is exactly that, just keep swimming. And the point of it is really just to encourage Christians, to encourage us to persevere on our journey of faith. So there was a time a few years ago that a group of my guy friends and I in Cape Town, we realized that our 20s were kind of coming to an end and that our bodies were taking on different shapes to what they were before. I suppose if you could look at it in terms of letters, our bodies used to be in our 20s resembling an L shape. And towards the end of our 20s, it was looking more like a D shape, if you know what I mean. And uh, we weren't very impressed with the way things were going. And it happens. You get married. uh, You're no longer living on on two-minute noodles and eggs. You're now living with this beautiful woman who cooks for you every day. And, you know, things do start to change in terms of the body shape. And so we didn't like exactly what was happening to our bodies, so we thought we were going to do something. We decided we need to make a plan to sort this out. We would start swimming. So we swam three times a week before work. It was very early in Cape Town. The winters aren't quite as cold as they are here, but they are still pretty cold. And three times a week before work, uh, we would go to the school swimming pool where where I finished school, where a few of us finished school. And... uh, we would just go and swim. We had to climb over a fence here and there to get in, but, but we got in. And we were determined to do this thing in order to help us uh, to, to get back to our, our, the body of our young 20s. And uh, I can tell you this. I never got to a place where I looked forward to those swims. 
But here's the thing. I enjoyed it afterwards every single time. And I liked the results that it had on my body, and they felt the same way, which is why we kept that going for actually quite a few years. We swam, and we actually eventually graduated from the school swimming pool where you have to climb over fences to the Virgin Active, and uh, where the, the pool water was slightly heated. It was indoor. It was very beautiful, and uh, that was a really good graduation for us. Why am I sharing this story with you today? Because many times when I was swimming, and like I said, I did not enjoy it, but I, but I always had this thought. I thought there's a message in all of this somewhere. There's a message in the getting up early. There's a message in the, in the pushing through. There's a message in not enjoying it, but enjoying the results. And it occurred to me that our morning swims had so much in common with the race we run as Christians. So this message was in there somewhere. Uh, it's been in the making for a couple of years, and I trust it's going to be a blessing to you. We are all running a race. We need to understand that. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, we are all, every single person in this room, every single person that can hear the sound of my voice, we are running a race or we are swimming a race. As human beings, we're on a journey that has a starting point when we're born, an ending point when we pass away, and a whole lot of distance and life that happens in between those two points. Now, in the normal sort of track of life, uh, the world's track of life, uh, which is often called the rat race. You ever heard it being referred to as that, that, the rat race? Well, in the rat race, the ultimate goals are really to finish school, if you can, to study further, get a job, start a family, make enough money to retire comfortably, and then die peacefully. Those are the ultimate goals of any person living on the planet, really. And sometimes we go a bit beyond that to making a difference, but really those are the, are the common goals of all people. And that's really known as the rat race. It's just as like hamsters running on a wheel. You know, we just get through the next day, get through the next day, because we, we've got the end destination in mind, which is just to retire comfortably and die peacefully. Now, as Christ followers, and I want you to really imagine this, we've almost been pulled off that normal track. We have, we have come off that normal, worldly, rat race track, and have stepped onto a new track called the Christian race. And on the Christian track, those old goals become nice-to-haves. They aren't the, the be-all and end-all. Those aren't the things that we're striving for at the end of our lives. But let's be honest, even as Christians, those things are nice-to-have. We want to start a family. We want financial security. We want to retire comfortably. We want all those things, but they're nice-to-haves. Living a life that honors God becomes your highest purpose and goal, and your life is all about bringing people to a saving faith in Jesus. And if you can have some of those other things on the journey, that's fantastic. So, something to remember is that this race is a marathon, it is not a sprint. Pace yourself. So often people get that wrong and they confuse this and they think that it's a sprint and they think it's about fixing their lives as quickly as they can. But it's not about that. This is a marathon. So, I'm going to read a passage of scripture that speaks about the Christian race. And there's quite a few passages like this, but I'm choosing this one uh, to launch off with. And then I'm going to give you three points from my swimming experience that I trust are going to help you to keep on swimming, no matter where you are or what you're facing on your journey right now. So let's read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, to Christians there. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, 
Everyone runs. There's no one that isn't running the human race if you're alive today. But only one person gets the prize. And here's what he says. So run to win. Verse 25. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it as Christians for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to, you, to others, I myself might be disqualified. Fantastic passage of Scripture there. Now, the first thing that I got from my swimming is this. Stay in your lane. So number one, if you're taking notes, is stay in your lane. And what I mean by that is stop comparing yourself with the person in the next lane. We each have our own lane, and it doesn't help to compare yourself to the swimmer next to you. Something I had to learn pretty early on in my swimming days was that I was actually the worst swimmer of all of us. There were four of us, sometimes five of us, that would go swimming in the mornings, and I was by a long shot the worst swimmer of all of us. I was slower, and my form was actually quite poor, and, and actually it still is. It sort of resembles someone who had his hands and feet tied together and was thrown into a pool, okay? But, but be that as it may, I made my progress, and I made my peace with the way that I swim. Uh, but, but the bottom line was I learned that I wasn't that good at swimming. And I would actually look across at my brother and um, at some of our friends, and I'd be quite discouraged because they would always lap me a few times in a session. So we would do 10 lengths and take a break for 30 seconds or a minute, and then 10 lengths and, and, and so on and so forth uh, until we filled the time that we had, which was about 40 minutes to swim. So, but the thing was, in the 10 lengths that they all did, I managed to do eight. So by the time it was my turn to rest, they were all going on their next session already. And I, I could not, no matter how hard I tried, fix that or, or close that gap. I just wasn't that strong a swimmer. So here's the thing. I was massively discouraged for a while until I decided to use their speed and form to inspire me to do better. And I did improve a bit, but more importantly than that, I realized I don't have their strength, I don't have their stamina, I don't have their training, so here's what I need to do. I just have to do my best in every lap, in every set, in every session. When I started swimming at the gym, now I wasn't with, uh, necessarily with my brother and my friends, I was with complete strangers in the lanes next to me. And it was so interesting to me, and, and, and I remember it so clearly, how often I used to compare myself to the swimmer in the lane next to me. But I don't have any clue what their story is. Here's the thing, so, so, so if I was ever faster than the person in the lane, and I would look over to see them, and, and they would be slower than me. You know, in, in my heart of hearts, I would go, oh, yes, fantastic. At least I'm faster than someone. And I would pace it, and I'd feel quite chuffed with myself. And then sometimes I'd look to the left-hand side of me, and I would see a guy who was just pacing me. And he would do two lengths in the time it took me to do one length. And I would be, become discouraged again. And I, I remember just thinking, oh, my word. But, but this dawned on me. You do not know what other people are going through when they're racing. I don't know if the person that's slower than me on this side is injured or if, they, or if they're disabled in some way or if they struggle for some other reason. But, you know, I feel so great because I'm faster than them. And I have no clue if it's Chad LaClose in, in, the, in the lane next to me who's, who's lapping me left, right, and center, and, and I'm feeling so discouraged. See, I don't know what their race is. And so it's not helpful to keep on peering over at the next lane and comparing them to, to the way that I swim my lengths. You swim better when you look forward, not to the sides all the time, because those are distractions. 
Don't be distracted by other people's races. See, as Christians, we so easily become distracted when we see or we hear about other people's walk with God. You ever have those people who come up to you and say, wow, you know, God just woke me up at 3 a.m. this morning with a revelation about something that I need to do in the world and, and, and a message I need to preach and go out there and do this. And uh, he's just speaking to me so incredibly and clearly about this and that. And it's just discouraging. And you think, man, God didn't wake me up this morning. I slept right through all my alarms. There was no problem at all. Uh, in fact, I was so late, I couldn't even get to the Bible this morning. And here these, are, these guys are talking about waking up at the crack of dawn and, uh, and God speaking to them. Have you ever become discouraged at people like that? People who say, you know, who, who use the kind of language that God's just, God spoke to me about this and God spoke to me about that. And you think, man, I'm not sure that God speaks to me. I'm not sure that he speaks to me in the same way that he speaks to them. And we become distracted and you get discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Remember this. We are a church of steps. Now, I know that might be confusing for some of you, and and, and some of you know what I'm talking about. We are a church of steps. What do I mean when I say that we're a church of steps? I mean that we're in this for the long haul. This is a marathon, not a sprint. We don't expect people to come to church, accept Jesus, and the next week, everything in their lives are completely different. It's completely different and changed and, and, and radically altered, and, and they're just living on fire for Jesus. We don't expect that to happen. Sometimes, by God's grace, things in your life will change in an instant. And we have seen that. People put their faith in Christ, and you find that this, this bad habit or this bad attitude or this way of thinking, it just gets snapped and it gets broken in their lives. But some things you've got to work on or manage for a lifetime. Now, because we believe this is a journey and we know that God deals with each of His children personally as an individual, we're a church of steps. Everything in your life doesn't have to change at once. But, and here's the but, there must be constant changing when you become more and more like Christ. You should be being transformed by the renewing of your mind as it lines up with God's Word. As you hear and apply God's Word to your life, it should change the way that you live. So, so we don't expect everything to change all at once, but we do expect things to change as you take steps. How do you do a long journey? One step at a time. That's what I mean by being a church of steps. We understand that people are on a journey. See, some people will come up to me and they'll say, you know, there's this person who's serving in this and this ministry, and, you know, I'm sure I saw them with a cigarette in their hands, and, and you know, is, is that okay? Is that, we don't really like that, do we? Because that's showing that they're not really living all out for Christ. No, no, no. We understand that people are on a journey. We're a church of steps. They're on their own journey. Why don't you focus on the journey that you're on and let us and them worry about the journey that they're on? We just want to make sure that people are moving forwards one step at a time, at the pace that they can do. If you become a Christian and nothing in you has been challenged to change in a while, I'd, I would begin asking some serious questions about my walk with God, if that was me. Listen and be obedient to the Spirit of God, because His timing is perfect. And let me say this to you right now. He is cheering for you to win. Be sensitive to His conviction and act when He flags something in your life that doesn't reflect His image in you. You see, if God convicts you in a message, and it might be a message like this, you might be reading a book, you might be praying, you might be reading uh, the Bible, and something sticks out at you and you say, oh, I'm not sure that that's me. I'm not sure that uh, I, I line up to what, what is in God's Word in this area. That is the time you need to deal with it. When God flags something in your life, He gives you 
the strength and the grace to deal with it at that moment. So deal with it at that moment. Be sensitive and obedient to the Spirit of God. Are you okay for me to move on? So number one, stay in your lane. Number two, form is important. Now let's read those verses again from 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. And and we're just going to pick out different parts of it now. Form is important. How you swim matters. So let's read there. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. So these phrases that I've highlighted here on the screen behind me say these things. Run to win. Be disciplined in your training. Run with purpose. I discipline my body. I train myself. These phrases speak about being intentional. See, when I realized that I was not as good as the other guys at swimming, I knew that I had to make some adjustments because I wasn't going to get better just by wishing or praying that I was going to get better. So I went, uh, like, like all people would nowadays in this era, I went onto YouTube. I Googled these things. I went onto YouTube and I checked out some tutorials and some videos on how to swim better, how to improve your form. Where do you look? What do you do with your hands? What do you do with your hips and your feet and all these sorts of things? I watched, I tried, and after a while, it really helped me. You know that not everyone that gets in the pool is in it to swim? There are people that have put their faith in Christ. In other words, they've moved from the normal life track into God's race track for their lives. They've jumped into the pool, but here's the thing. They aren't swimming or they aren't swimming properly. There's many reasons why people swim poorly, why they do this life poorly, why they don't make progress as Christians. And here's some of the reasons that I, that I could think of. Number one, some people have never been taught correctly. I know that's true for me when it comes to swimming, and I know that's true for many people when it comes to their Christianity or their walk with Christ. You see, some people just come into a church, they make a decision to serve God, uh, they, they, they've got their golden ticket to heaven, and actually being taught and instructed and, and making progress as a Christian and, and, and the lifelong journey of it that it involves isn't taught to people correctly. And so they never make proper progress. They swim poorly. We need to be taught. And what that speaks to in Christianity is getting into a connect group, uh, being committed to the local church, being here on a Sunday, being under teaching, uh, equipping yourself with other teaching. You know, there's so many brilliant tools now online where you can get some trusted uh, teaching from well-known pastors around the world. And every Sunday, you can pick up the message that they preach to their church. Now, don't just listen to any muhu. You need to get some trusted people. If you're not sure if you can trust them, you can speak to us or speak to the leadership of the church, and we'll tell you if there's people that you need to avoid. But otherwise, go online, listen to those things, read books. There's no excuse for not being taught correctly in this day and age. Another reason that people don't make progress, they struggle with heavy weights. And what are heavy weights? You, you can't swim. Look at this picture behind me. It's a guy carrying a rock. Now, now they do that in big waves. Now, when you go big wave surfing, and I don't, I don't do any big wave surfing, but I've seen uh, some fantastic movies of it. And when those waves that come through that are two, three stories high, that'll crash over you and take you down completely. Now, if you get pummeled in a set like that, you, what they do is they actually go to the bottom of the ocean, 
the ocean floor. They pick up a big boulder because that's the only way you can stay down. Otherwise, your body's going to naturally float. And they, and they just stay down. They hold their breath and they've trained their bodies to do this. And they hold their breath and they just hold on to those boulders until the set has gone by. And they can pop up and go to where they need to go or, or a boat can come and pick them up. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. But it reflects the Christian life as well. Some people are swimming or walking at the bottom of the ocean with these heavy weights. And those heavy weights, those things, those are sins that you just cannot or will not let go of. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews 12, 1 to 4. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, to this journey that we're on, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And I'll read more about that now, but that's what it is. So the the weight that slows us down is the sin that so easily trips us up. So some people aren't making progress in their spiritual lives because they are living in sin. Now, we all sin. We get that. We're not saying that when you become a Christian, you don't sin anymore. But what we're saying is when we do sin, we quickly turn back to God. We repent of that sin and we turn back to God and we live the way He wants us to live. But for some people, it's very difficult to do that in some areas of their life. And they know that they're living in a way that is contrary to the Word of God, but they just can't seem to let go of it because they've justified it to themselves over, over months or over years of living that way. And uh, that sin will stop you from making progress as a Christian. Another reason that people uh, don't make the progress they should is that they're trying to swim in the world's lane and in God's lane together. So they're actually straddling the lane. Look, if you were doing that in a real swimming pool, you would have a real issue on your hands. But that's how some people try to live their Christian life. They're swimming in God's lane and they're swimming in their lane. And, and, and you know, they, they can't let go of things that are happening in the world and, and the way that they used to be and the way that they used to think, but they really want to live for Christ on the other hand. And so you find these kind of people are very divided in their loyalty and in their attention and in the way that they spend their time and the way that they talk and the way that they think. And it's a very torn existence. And it doesn't help you to make progress as a Christian when you're like that. You need to pick a lane. And actually the Bible says that God would rather have you, would rather have you cold than lukewarm. And when you straddle a lane like that, you're lukewarm. And, and the danger with that is that you think you're living for God, but you're actually not. You're living on the fence, and God doesn't like fence-sitters. He, would, he says, rather cold than hot, because at least if you're cold, you can turn back to Him. You can realize that you're cold, and then turn to Christ. But if you're lukewarm, the deception there is that you think you're living for Christ, but you're actually living in the world. The next thing there, some people, and this is the last one, why, why people don't make progress as Christians. Some people think that when you get in God's lane, and when you become a Christian, God races for you. That there shouldn't be issues. There shouldn't be struggles. It shouldn't be difficult to swim this race because you've got God now. Well, and and God's just going to race for you. Let me tell you something. God will not race for you. You see these verses that we spoke about and, and the way that Paul speaks about it. Run to win. Be disciplined in your training. Run with purpose. I discipline my body. There's God's part and then there's your part. But there is your part. And you've still got to swim your race. Four matters in this race. And uh, it's not just about getting on the right track, but running or swimming in an intentional way. Get rid of the sin that's slowing you down and making you an ineffective Christian. And run with endurance. In other words, don't stop when it gets tough. Because fitness or victory in your life comes from pushing through, especially when things 
get difficult. Here's some fantastic news. And maybe you've never thought about it like that. But these verses I just read in Hebrews, they talk about since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Here's some good news for you. That huge crowd of witnesses, guess who has front row seats on your personal race? Jesus. God is on your side and rooting for you. He is your biggest supporter. And not only is he your biggest supporter, but he's given you spiritual fins. Now, what do I mean by that? You look at the picture. A guy swimming with, with fins, or in the old days, they would be known as flippers. It, a guy swimming with fins who's swimming in the lane next to you will easily do two lengths in the time it takes you to do one length. And, and, and it almost like feels like they're cheating. But you know what? God has given you spiritual fins in his Holy Spirit, which enables you to live the Christian life with power and with victory. Isn't that awesome? He said, I want you to live this way. I want you to come into my lane. I want you to live my way from now on. I want to be the head of your life. You swim my way from now on. Your mission, your goal, your purpose becomes my mission, my goals, and my purpose in the world. But here's the thing. I know that it's going to be tough. So I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and He's going to enable you to live the way you need to live that honors me and reaches the purpose and the destiny that I've called you for. Isn't it awesome that God equips you with His Holy Spirit? Form matters. The third point this morning is keep your eyes on the prize. So we know already from the verses we read, we need to throw off the weight that slows us down and to run with endurance. So how do we do that? Let's read a little bit further in those same verses in Hebrews. I'll read what I read before and then carry on a couple of verses. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 4. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, the champion who initiates and perfects. That means who starts our faith and who perfects our faith, who finishes. He is there at the beginning and the end of our race. And then it gives us an example of, of Jesus. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the, in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Isn't that awesome? Now there's a story, and you might have heard it. It happened a while ago. Uh, there was a lady. Her name was Florence Chadwick. She loved to swim. She was actually born in San Diego, California, on November the 9th, 1918. So we're talking about 100 years ago she was born. When she was 34 years old, she attempted to become the first woman to swim 34 kilometers across the Catalina Channel on the California coast. Now, the weather that day was challenging because the ocean was ice cold and the fog was so thick she could barely see the support boats that followed her. The tides and current were also against her. And to make matters worse, sharks were in the area. But at daybreak, she decided to go forward anyway, expecting the fog to lift in time. Hour after hour, she swam, 
but the fog never lifted. Her mother and trainer followed her in one of the support boats, encouraging her to keep going. While Americans watched on television, other members of her support crew fired rifles at the sharks to drive them away. She kept going and going. At about the 15-hour point, she began to doubt her ability to finish the swim. She told her mother she didn't think she could make it. And unfortunately, at 15 hours and 55 minutes, she had to stop. And with huge disappointment, she asked her support crew to take her out of the water. Because of the fog, she could not see the coastline, so she had no idea where she was. She soon found out, however, that she was less than a mile from the coast. She could have certainly reached it if she had just stayed in the water a few minutes longer. Later, she told the reporter, Look, I'm not excusing myself, but if I could have seen the land, I know I could have made it. Isn't it true that we can be so near and yet so far? And it's like that with us. In all areas of life, goal motivation is unbelievably powerful. You will do almost anything if the reward at the end is worth it to you. Think about how your girlfriend becomes your wife. Or how your boyfriend becomes your husband. There's a worthy goal at the end. And that is to be married to the person that you have now met. And they're so wonderful. And songs, beautiful boys to men songs are written about things like this. About climbing the highest mountains and going to the deepest valleys. And then you get more modern songs that speak about what you would do for the person that you love. You know, I'd take a grenade for you. Um, I'd step in front of a train for you. The bottom line is this. You would do anything for the person that you love, for the end goal of spending your life with them. Isn't that true? And think about how you achieve it, work or sport. You see a picture of the reward and you work and train towards that goal. Think about your kids. You're driven by the goal of producing high-quality, stable members of society. So, because of that goal, you invest years of time and energy and finances into the reward of having kids that can look after themselves and be godly, productive members of society. And so goal motivation is unbelievably, unbelievably powerful. And God knows that, which is why he said uh, at the end, why Paul said, or why the writer, sorry, in Hebrew said, how do we do this? Let us run endurance... Uh, run with endurance, the race God has set before us. And then he says in verse 2 of Hebrews 12, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Again, so keep your eyes on the prize. That's the goal. It's the same in our Christian journey. How do we live a life of faith? Keep your eyes on Jesus. And I don't want to be over-spiritual about the swimming thing, but what I remember very clearly from the lanes, and you'll see it from the picture here, is that at the end of each lane, is a cross. And that's just the way pools are designed. No one designed it uh, like that so that we could speak about it in sermons. But there's a cross at the end of each um, at the end of each lane underwater. And I remember seeing that so clearly. Like I mentioned, I wasn't a good swimmer, but what I remember so clearly and so vividly is that Every time I would swim, for me, I just had to finish that lap. And I would focus on that, uh, on that cross on the other side of the pool, the black cross made of the little tiles, the mosaics. And I would just head towards that. And then I would turn around and head towards the other side. And for me, I had to do it like that, lap by lap, session by session, uh, the whole way until I got done what I needed to get done. I kept my eyes on the goal ahead of me. It's the same in the Christian walk. 
You know, these verses talk about what Jesus endured. He endured hostility and even death for his prize. Do you know what the prize that Jesus had, the goal that Jesus had in his mind when he was going through the humiliation and the torture of what he went through? It was you and me. We were the prize he had on his mind. It was that we would have a relationship with God. Jesus died to make that relationship possible, and that is the hope of our salvation, the prize for a race well run. We walk by faith one day at a time. Just keep swimming.